This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, we're back for our second and final installment this season for our holiday recommendation request shows. Uh, we left you last time with some 2 a.m. at the Cat's Pajamas ideas, general general purpose lists. Um, got a few other ideas for reads for this, but I'm going to hmm. tell you, I don't... I, here's a problem. We already are filtering, and there's another layer of filtering. I'm not sure I got anything great to pass on. Maybe I'll include in the show notes. Okay. We're not going to spend time thinking about it now, but uh, there was there was people were trying to think of these ideas. Uh, I think it's tough. I think it's tough for these. I'm not going to say anything else more about it right now. Um. Today's episode is brought to you by WW Norton and Company Incorporated. So, Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality, and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student, but how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to WW Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, what's first? Do you want to lead? Sure. Yeah. We have a question. uh, Well, let's see. I don't know that we have permission for their name, so I will leave it off. No affirmative consent. Um, yes. So they say every year I give my family perfectly curated selection of books, seeing as there are still, there's still two Christmases behind in their reading. I'm unapologetically (laughs) asking for my own holiday wrecks. Look, if you can't keep up, I'm going to go ahead without you. That's yeah, all that that's fair. I support this. Treat yourself. Uh, they said they're looking for a few books to round out what has been their best reading year so far in terms oh, of the wow. quality of books that I've loved. That is a real accomplishment in 2020. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, 2020 found me gravitating towards essays, memoirs, history, and hard-hitting fiction, and they already have the essays of E.B. White picked out. <laughs> I'm feeling very known. 
So they'd like a few more to complement that. Ideally, one would be seasonal or wintry, something Wuthering Heights-ish where I could put on a sweater and feel devastated by cold weather and human nature. Other than that, I love surprises. Should we do the PSs? Why not? Oh, yeah, let's do the the PSs. PSs. We got some time today. Yes. Yeah, P.S. This podcast has been my reigning favorite since 2016. Thank you very much. That's a very nice thing to say. Good Lord. It's nice. P.P.S. Their ideal book format is nice quality paper with thick, even edges with French flaps. A floppy paperback with nice paper is a close runner up. Paperbacks are preferred over hardcovers. I did get some email when I asked for um, ideal formats with with pictures Mm -hmm. attached. No consensus here. (laughs) I think Shocking. there's more there's more variability. I'm not sure what I would have bet on. I guess a, a bog standard trade paperback would have been my guess as the um value over repla- mm. the warp, the value over replacement paperback has to be pretty high <laughs> for that. This is a weird one though, listener, of a even-edged French flap paperback because if we've yeah, gone that's... to the preciousness of French flaps, Deckel follows hard upon, generally speaking, in it's my It's really hard to find a French flap paperback that doesn't have deckled edges, I think. I know. I know. It is. It's very true. Um, similarly, it's hard to find a paperback with deckled edges and no French flaps. True. Um, so they anyway. Do, they do seem to go hand in hand. Because you want to be fancy, but you don't want a hardcover. So you, like, you overcompensate with your edges and flaps. <laughs> It's like a it peacock. Sounds, it sounds like naughty. But it it's it not. does. It it isn't. You're right. It does sound kind of gross in a way. Um, but thank you for that. Anyway, let's talk about. Let's books. talk about their. What are we even? To, oh, right. Okay. So we've got the uh, memoir, essay, fiction thing, and heart, uh, uh, seasonal cozy up with a book that's gonna make me feel devastated by the weather and nature, human nature. Okay, I'll go first because. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's the way we do this. Well, we're now previewing previewing a little bit the show we just recorded that you haven't heard yet, which is our favorite reads of 2020. I have Intimations by Zadie Smith, which I think is number one with a bullet for both of us. So like our joint Wonder Twins Unite pick um, Mm -hmm. for 2020 was Intimations by Zadie Smith, especially on audio. So I'm not sure, listener here... Um, if audio is interesting to you or not, if you are if you are a paperback with with French flaps, probably audio is not your your format. I'd be curious to hear if that's true or not. Also, shouts to those of you who send in your preferred format, which is a screenshot of you listening on Audible on your phone. I see you. That was kind of funny. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what else to say about it. We did almost a half episode on intimations. You'll hear us talk about it a little bit more in a few days. At this point, it's tremendous. I think. It is mm-hmm. the in. Uh, I think the 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 phrase I use is the in media messness of getting it in the middle, um, and we're now even more in the middle than we were when this came out in July. Um, is really really great. Her performance is wonderful. It's not super long. If you are a crafter, puzzler, video gamer, a cold winter night with a cup of hot cocoa, doing your puzzle, listening to Zadie, is. I wish I hadn't done that already because I would like yeah. to do it again for the first time. So that's my pick there. It's my other one. A, oh, go ahead. You want to say more about that? Yeah. I would say it's just such a good pick for this. Like you can feel both devastated and hopeful for yes. human nature at the same time. I that's saw you right. put this on the list and I was like, damn you, O'Neill. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 we've never really done a timely pick like this. We're not going to probably recommend this in 2022 when, if, when, if we're doing this show, mm-hmm. right? It'd be hard to imagine. So 
Um, Strike While the Iron is Sad, I guess, with uh, Intimations <laughs> by Zadie Smith. My other pick is just a, a kind of a mystery I liked that it's, it's set in Australia. It's called Force of Nature by Jane Harper, which I think is my favorite mystery writer. I don't think I knew this before I was thinking about it, um, but Michelle showed me there's a trailer for uh, an adaptation of her book called The Dry, starring Eric Bana come out, which I really liked. I really liked her other book called a Lost, The Lost Man, and she has another one coming out in um, February, I believe. Her fourth mystery, she's an Australian writer, writes... Literary mystery, I guess. I don't know. I'm not enough. I, I can't subgenre this for you. I, I'm not. I'm out of my depth here. Um, but I thought it was really great. So this story is about a group of um, co-workers who are on a uh, camping trip, like a trust, you know, like a team building exercise. That's what they call it in the world. Um, and something goes wrong. And there's reasons. And there's. It could be this person. It could be this person. We're lost in the woods. It's cold, and we're shivering. Um, and I ripped through it. And I think it'd be a really great read. It's out in paperback. I'm not sure about the flaps. Can't tell you. It, no, there's no way it's French flaps. Mystery <laughs> books don't do French flaps. It's only like for special editions of the Night Circus and French books in translation. Um, so yeah, The Force of Nature by Jane Harper. Have you done any Jane Harper, Rebecca? Do I was. Know? I have not. And I was just going to yeah. ask, is that your favorite Jane Harper? Or should I pick a different Jane Harper? Because I don't read many mysteries, but I feel like I would like that in the winter. I loved The Lost Man. The Dry is the first one I read. I, I read them in order, and I think Rincey or someone on our staff that does a bunch of mystery thrillers said, oh my God, Jane Harper, I can believe this. I picked it up on ebook for a deal, bookwritedeals.com, shouts, mm-hmm. um, and really <laughs> liked it. But Force of, uh, uh, bah, 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 bah. The Lost Man has a really great opening where it's set in the Australian outback, and there's this guy that's been found dead of exposure because Australia's hot in the outback. I don't know if you've heard a newsflash. Um, I have heard this. But it, there's no footprints, how he got out in the middle of nowhere. There's no truck. There's no whatever. He's at this like weird monolith kind of thing in the ground. I don't want to say too much more about it. And so it's like, okay. what happened here? But there's a bunch of family stuff. There's someone who's been sort of blamed for something that happened in the past, kind of a, a liminal edge character. I thought it was great. So I would recommend The Lost Man. But Force of Nature is a little bit more, you're, you're kind of shiver, you know, like the book is shivering mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, so if you want that, but I, all the Jane Harpers are great. So there we go. I love that. I think uh, a good wintry That's straight a shot pick. up the middle is The Secret History mm. by Donna Tartt. It's a, it has a good literary mystery at the center of it. But I remember I read it over a Thanksgiving weekend, like probably eight years ago for the first time Mm. it's been a while but i remember that there are just like long sections where they're in vermont at or or like somewhere in new england it's supposed to be bennington vermont um they're in new england the main character is like living in a place that's poorly insulated and is just freezing to death and like pretty cold and sad for big chunks of the book and you just feel it in your bones Mm -hmm. um so i think that's a a, a solid winter pick maybe a little more straightforward which this is a novel from a couple years ago that i really liked and i just didn't see it get nearly enough attention was idaho by emily ruskovich and which is about a couple that live in a really remote rugged place in idaho um the husband in the couple is um dealing with dementia and his memory is fading and though the wife in this couple is his second wife and he has secrets from his previous life. Um, there's like the, the weather 
and the setting are a huge part of what's going on, but also they're, you know, in the winter of this person's life. And and that's sad in its own way. So there's like a, a rugged exterior landscape and a really difficult interior landscape. It's a pretty short book. Hmm. Like, I think you could call it a quiet novel, um, but packs a powerful punch. Um, I really loved that. And then a little bit different was A Separation by Katie Kitamura, um, also a couple years old. It came out in paperback. It might have a French flap. The paperback was really pretty. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but it's about a young woman uh, who she and her husband have agreed to separate, but they're keeping it a secret. And she goes off to begin her new life, but gets word that her now ex has gone missing in a remote part of Greece and she gets talked into going to help look for him hmm. uh, so she's off looking for her missing husband with other people who don't know that she and her missing husband aren't together oh that's like anymore. multiple shell games she has to keep running there yeah that's great I like that <laughs> yeah it's good um, and so like everybody's got secrets on top of secrets and there's a guy who's missing and it's really suspenseful and great so that was that's a separation by Katie Kitamura I think that's a good one for human nature and uh, I read it and like maybe I thought of it because I read it on a ski trip so I was like oh that's what you read when it's mm. snowing outside <laughs> um, but I think you could <laughs> you could enjoy it anytime but it's a good wintery a good wintery read all right uh, it's kind of sad you're you're not up to read this one because you were so excited. This is one of my favorite recommendation requests I've ever gotten. It's like is, someone it's who just likes to eat coming into your town and they're like, where do you want to go eat? And they're like, what do you like? It's like, I love everything. Yeah. So you just get to whatever. We're going to go have donuts and was, um, canapes. I was so delighted to see this question. Like, I yeah. was born for this. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to set you up. Thank okay. you, first off, your wonderful show. Oh, well, just nice things about us. Who doesn't want to do that for a living? Very nice. Welcome to Use Your Name. So this is Beatrice. One of my partner's moms has stumped me this year by apparently having reading taste that is too broad. Now, come on, Beatrice. You know that's not, that's not right. It's, it's, just, it's, it's wonderfully broad. She's an elderly white lesbian ex-therapist and in personal interactions is very jovial, lighthearted, and irreverent. Also, could you introduce us to her? We would like to meet. Can she be a part yes. of our lives? Should, could she be the pro? We, Will can she write a novel us, about thanks. her? C- c- can she be a book about her? Anyway, the first year I bought her a book for Hanukkah, I gave her Where'd You Go, Bernadette, to great acclaim. Wonderful. The second year, uh, Tove Jansen's The Summer Book, which is basically Where'd You Go, Bernadette's spiritual opposite to even greater acclaim. I think having such diametrically opposed successes has thrown me for a loop. I can no longer really judge what she might like. Now, listen, what do you think an elderly white lesbian ex-therapist with an interest in Eastern philosophy who liked both zany comedies about unsympathetic Greek people and achingly melancholic reflection on the aging of nature would like to read this year? I think your friend Beatrice is like the chipper shredder of reading. Just anything you throw in there is going to get turned into mulch. And that's wonderful. How much fun is that? It is. I think it's great. I had the same response to this of like, I don't actually think you have a problem here, Beatrice, about no longer being able to judge what she might like. I think this means she's going to find something to like about almost anything. That's right. So it's just a question of how big of a win are you going to get? Before you get to your pick, Rebecca, can I say what my general strategy would be here in this situation? Before Give her your favorite book, Beatrice. Just say, here's my, here's whatever that lives next to your heart. You know, your atrial valve pick. Just say, (laughs) I think if I were this person and they said, 
I think you like everything, so I'm going to trust you with the thing mm-hmm. I hold the most dear. Um, I would dissolve into a pool of happy tears. So, yep. you know, mm-hmm. forget our picks. We're going to give us picks because that's our <laughs> job here. But Beatrice, you know the answer. You know the answer. The answer was inside you all along. The, the, the journey was your favorite book all along. Um, okay, so having said that, Rebecca, where do you want to go? Oh my gosh, I'm so ready for this. Um, I think you want to give her How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell, which is an art critic thinking about the attention economy. And it's not anti-technology. It is like, how do we make these technologies in our lives work for us, but not so much in a practical exploration as in a philosophical exploration. It's really lovely. And it's a great thing to read going into a new year, I think. Um, For, I mean, elderly white lesbian ex-therapist with an interest in Eastern philosophy. I think this next one is pretty solid. It's called Mm. Radical Dharma, Talking Race, Love, and Liberation. It's by Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams and Lama Rod Owens, who are both um, people of color and queer people in the Buddhist community. Um, And I came across this this summer um, doing some reading about social justice in the yoga world. And, you know, there's a lot of overlap there. And this is in the grand sort of Buddhist book tradition. It's the um, written down documentation of a series of talks that they Mm -hmm. gave together while traveling the country earlier. Um, last year and I think earlier this year talking to um, Buddhist communities, mindfulness communities different sanghas, like uh, groups of people across Eastern philosophy groupings about uh, really functionally the questions of like race, privilege, access and inclusivity and I'm sure that you can imagine that it's still relatively uncommon to be a queer black person in a Buddhist community. Um, So what is that experience like? What needs to change inside those communities? And how do they think about applying the principles of like Buddhist philosophy to the work of social justice and the work of um, like there's spiritual liberation and then there's like very practical liberation just to be able to like live your life in the world and not be scared of you know being killed because you're a person of color and you get pulled over by the police and they sort of they go to all of those places um it's a really wonderful book and then la Mirada owens has a new book called love and rage uh, that sort of tacks on to some of those ideas um I also think maybe you should talk to someone by Lori Gottlieb, who is a great therapist writing about her experience on both sides of the chair, both being a therapist and being in therapy would be really fun Mm. if somehow it has not already made it to this person's radar. Um, And then a little novel I read earlier this year that I think just didn't get any attention because 2020 and COVID uh, was Hieroglyphics. Oh, what is her name? She's a Southern writer and I forgot to write her last name. Uh, We'll get in the show notes. You can look it up. There you go. Yeah. Hieroglyphics by Jill McCorkle, which is um, about an older couple in which I think the it's the husband is dealing with dementia and the which is weird, uh, weird theme for me this time around. Um, But the wife reflecting on their years together and it weaves through like several decades um, is just really like I just thought thoughtful and lovely and quiet about just a part of life that doesn't get as much attention in fiction Mm. as, you know. Aging people don't get as many stories as no, sexy young people do. They don't. Um, and I really appreciated that. Um, as you know, I like books about old people, so I'm, I'm going to have to read that at some point. I remember mm-hmm. seeing it in, as happens, just 
gliding over, saying, oh, that sounds interesting, yeah. and then it goes into the big mm-hmm. hole of almost Yeah, threads. I really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, this is Beatrice. You gave us a bull by the, you know, sort of a bull on the one hand. On the other hand, I'm going to take both hands. I'm doing both poles here, right? Uh-huh. You know, I'm riding the bull. Um, that's <laughs> this is mostly, a solid pick. That's that's what most of my um, job is riding bulls. Uh, so for the <laughs> meditative reflection on aging and nature, here's the other thing I did. I thought of like if they if your partner's mom likes this, there's more in the catalog to go through. So one is the Pig- Pilgrim mm-hmm. at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard who's an essayist that's like a secular spiritualist kind of... Yep. Rebecca, is that fair? Is that what you... I think so. Yeah, yeah, she's a like nature is my religion Yeah, flavor. yeah. Prose yeah. Mary Oliver kind of vibe, I think is how you would think Modern of. transcendentalist maybe, yeah, right. something like that. Yeah, yeah, the reincarnation of Margaret Fuller, something. But it's her, you know, living out there which is a creek. It's kind of like Walden Pond. Like, it's in the middle of nowhere, except, you know, there's a Starbucks mm-hmm. you could get to if you needed to. Um, and she thinks beautifully. It's the kind of thing you hope... It's this kind of thinking you hope you would do for yourself of, like, isn't life interesting? What about this? It's so beautiful and sad all the time and not thinking about how you're tired and you want coffee. Like, she does the thing <laughs> I want myself to be doing and remind that it's yeah. possible as you're embedded in your life to think of how interesting and fantastic and sad and ethereal and fleeting and permanent and and heavy and light and all the yins and yangs that I'm kind of pulling together here. It's a series of essays. Um, Well, I guess it's all about this time she spent down here, but I kind of read it as a series of essays. It's been a while, so maybe I'm misremembering the formula. Does that sound right to you, Rebecca? Yeah, it's... It's like somewhere between straight memoir and series of essays. Yeah. I'm not sure you could just pick it up and flip through it like if it were a series of essays. So anyway, but it's not where you have to sit down and um, plow through it all at once. That's a good point. There's a a narrative thread that you need from start to finish. Right. Um, and then she's got other books. She had the novel of the May Trees about old people who, what am, an underrated book in my canon of reading. It's not an awesome book, but the conceit was so interesting about this older couple who've long since divorced, but then the man is starting to die. And the truth is that the gravitational pull of that relationship is still such that it has to be, attention must be paid, right? And what does that mean for something like that to happen later in life? Um, and she's got other works um, that are, are worth exploring if if you're, if your uh, recommendee here really likes this. The other one is there's a series. Um, the crazy, is it the crazy rich Asian series? What do we call this, Rebecca? Yeah, you know, is that what people what I, say? I think that's what people call it. Yeah. yeah. A resplendently decadent comedy of mm-hmm. manners. Um, the, the, the setup, if you haven't seen the trailer, the, there's movies and there's three books. So there's a lot more to do here. If this is a winner, um, basically, a young woman agrees to spend the summer with her fella in Singapore, thinking like she's going to do meet the parents, like she's doing, you know, one of those kind of going back and maybe it'll be middle, upper middle class. But it turns out to be like, you know, the third richest person in Singapore is what you're walking into. And there's over the top stuff and servants and cars and parties. And then within all that, it's like a Jane Austen novel, comedy of manners and our will they, won't they kind of stuff. Um, one One of the great franchises that we've been, had the, the pleasure of doing this mm-hmm. show while happening um, to see. Uh, I think that's a, it's kind of a great Swiss Army pick in a lot of ways, too. Like, maybe a Swiss Army pick within a Swiss Army pick. Like, assuming people like romances at all or Jane Austen's yeah. or rom-coms, really fun. And then the subsequent two books are really great, and you find out what happens. And just 
great. It's just fun. So a little bit of gravitas, a little bit of frivolity, also have a little bit of mixed in both. Um, there you go. Those are my two picks. You know, I feel like we failed by not tossing Gilead onto this pile. Well, listen, I think, I think that's lukewarm bathwater for this person. It's not enough of either. <laughs> right? It's, I think this is... I'm sure they would like it because they seem to like everything. It can go in the chipper shirt too. But it's a little too samey. Am I wrong? Mm. Well, there's so much meditative end-of-life stuff in Gilead that I think... Yeah. Uh, listen, I you're, know. It's, I'm in the very uncomfortable position of saying maybe not Gilead here, but uh, <laughs> which I know it's not a corner I like to defend. But that's too... That will be work. It's, I'm saying if you've got someone yeah. where they've got no edges, That's, go to the edge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe also this is a spot where I'm feeling like I failed for not adding when women were birds to this list. Because that does have. Yeah. That's R.S. Tilney. Yes. Sure. There. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I stand by my first picks. Yeah. I do and, too. Yeah. Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. Very solid. All right. Let's do a quick sponsor All and right. then uh, we'll hit the next one. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Rebecca, I think it's your read. Yes. Yeah, it is. this is a person who is looking for a request for their book club friends. Mm -hmm. They started this club with two friends that they've known since middle school and high school. They've been reading together for a couple of years now, and they read three books a year, which I want to say first, this is like a perfect way I to like do a book this. club. Yes. Three books a year is low pressure. Last year, they read books that were set in the Rio Grande Valley, which is where they live, or by Texas authors. This year, they read This Is Where You Belong by Melody Warnick, Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo, and Mexican Gothic. Their friends prefer fiction. They really enjoyed a collection of short stories this year, though. They loved imagining the adaptation to be created for Mexican Gothic, and they want to prioritize mm. reading books by BIPOC women. The friends want to read a book set in the pandemic to help us process the last year, and they'd like to gift them the spring book this Christmas. They read two new releases this year, but would love to read more books that have stood the test of time. Any suggestions? Um, I had... Where do you want to go? You want to start or you want me to start? Either way. You start. Yeah, you start. Again, let's throw up intimations on the board while we can. I think, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's in this pandemic, BIPOC woman as well. I think it would be fascinating to talk with. You know, Rebecca and I, you heard us sort of spontaneously have our own mini book club after the fact about it. Um, I think there'd be a lot to talk about. I think you will remember that experience of talking about it together. Mm -hmm. I think in the spring, we're still going to be in this, but maybe some light at the end of the tunnel. So it'll be interesting to see what's held up, even in the short window um, that we've had since Intimation came out in the particular moment we're in right now. I didn't do much better for novels in terms of BIPOC women pandemic. I, I, I didn't come up with much. But studying mm -hmm. the test of time, books that are out there, that probably will... I think this is going to be made into an HBO series. We've been told. Who knows where things are at this point. But Station Eleven by Emily Mandel was a phenomenon. Still holds up great. It's on paperback um, favorites tables all the time. 
I think I, I would like to have not read it so I could read it now um, because I think it would be very interesting. Now, this is a pandemic that goes all the way over to catastrophe to, you know, barely civilization is like maybe has a pulse. Um, so it's way on the other side of it, but it still says a lot about what endures, what questions we're interested in answering, what remains. Um, and I, one of the great speculative fiction, cla modern classics of our time. So that would be more of a, you know, if you're going to do intimations, do it now. You could wait on Station Eleven, yeah. but those are my two picks. Rebecca, what about you? Yeah, I had trouble finding pandemic book by a BIPOC woman. Yeah. So listen, podcast at bookride.com, definitely, definitely. Hit us up. Um, I went for, you know, I think you got to toss out Love in the Time of Cholera yeah. just as a mention. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good, it has stood the test of time. Lots of stuff to chew on there. Um, Blindness by Jose Saramago is a different kind of pandemic. Mm. Like people go blind and it's a sort of startling take on the, That's just a, a different pick. take on. That's a great suggestion. Right? It's, I remember reading it on a flight and just being like haunted by mm -hmm. the idea of, of it. It's a, and it's just a lovely not it's lovely. a little more metaphorical, right? Like Station Eleven is like very much like what had happened. Yes. And we got to survive with our horses and carts, and we're actors, and right? Stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like there's a real spectrum of how pandemicy a pandemic yeah. book can be. Um, one that's a little more obtuse is Find Me by Laura Vandenberg. She is one of my favorite writers. Um, this was her first novel after two really excellent short story collections. And it's about a young woman who's living in Kansas when a pandemic hits. And it turns out that she, for some reason, is immune to the pandemic. And the people who turn out to be immune to it get you know, all kinds of there's like different privileges that are embedded mm -hmm. in that she's been really bored in her life um, or sorry, she lives in Boston, but she's been really bored in her life. And the immunity that she has, she uses it to gain admittance to a hospital in the middle of Kansas, which there she experiences all kinds of strange things and there's like weird rules and things are just weird like things are just weird at a hospital in the middle of kansas in a pandemic when you have to be immune to get in um then like stuff sort of breaks down it goes like a little lord of the flies in mm. the hospital and she gets out and goes on a journey she leaves kansas and she's going to florida to try to find her mother and so she's on the road in a really like devastated version of america in this pandemic trying to like get to florida find her mother like make sense of some of these parts of the history of her life um so the pandemic in that case is really like the setting just for her to be doing this internal exploration um, but i thought it was really great and a different pandemic but a real one mm -hmm. um that there uh, was The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, which I think came out last year, yep. and it explores the AIDS epidemic. It's set in Chicago. It moves between the 80s and the present day, um, exploring like what happens in a group of friends, mostly young gay men in the 80s, um, who are confronting this. And I think it would be an interesting read right now because there are some similarities um, in the ways that like we have to talk about you know community care and community protection and what's happening in covid and the ways that you know, like wearing a mask on your face is kind of the same thing as wearing a condom so your partner mm -hmm. doesn't get uh, doesn't get aids um 
And I think that that could, it's just a great book, but I think there's some interesting analogous stuff that you could raise conversation about as well. And it's, um, I thought an interesting thought experiment when I was making my notes here to think about like, we're not that far out of that moment in American Mm. history, that moment in world history, and we can already really see how it has shaped things. So I started thinking about, you know, like we're going to have some bad COVID novels in a couple of years, but in like 30 years, what is a COVID, what is a look at, you know, the COVID moment going to be like in fiction Hmm. um so i think there's some stuff for your book club to do there with the great believers good luck i'm really i'm like curious about what you yeah so please let us know as always um we always like to hear follow-up if you buy these books and read them for yourselves let us know good or ill and if you buy them for um uh awesome sounding ex-therapist lesbian in-laws even all the better (laughs) not not to be that's i'm just you know throwing that's not (laughs) hopefully looking to adopt a yeah, couple who, who, midlife who are looking to have regular <laughs> zoom calls with a couple of knowledge workers um my read next hello first i love your podcast well that's so nice to hear i'm looking for a recommendation for small small town baking feels um this is the knitting question of today's episode right i recently mm-hmm. read the city baker's guide to country loving and absolutely loved it Anything with Gilmore Girls feels I love, basically Suki, please. If it includes baking or ends, even better. Thanks so much for all the time you put in to the podcast. I think we're on these, whatever this is. Stars hollow in a bottle. People want this. <laughs> no, I'm serious, Rebecca. Yes. And it's this, and I, I, I understand know, I it's this right. year. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. we've had it quite articulated and, and uh, uh, reduced down to a very pure substance but it's real it's a real thing it is it's happening more in my netflix life than in my reading life but i'm 100 percent looking for stars hollow in a bottle and i don't know Uh, what we call this genre if we've talked about like it's like happy core i mean i I don't even know what you would call this right like (sighs) yeah yeah yeah, there's like a friendy core comfort situation um so I will preface by saying I have not read this book series, but I devoured the Netflix uh, series of Sweet Magnolias, which is based on a series of books by Cheryl Woods. I understand from all the pieces that have been written about it, including on Book Riot, that the book series is pretty white. The Netflix series has been updated to be more diverse. So that's that's good. But it's enjoyable. It's set in a small town in Georgia about a group of women friends. One of them is a cook um, who and one of them runs a local inn. So you're like a spa, an inn with a spa, something like that. So you're getting like the girlfriends hanging out vibes. When they have a hard day, they meet for margaritas and talk about their feelings and you know like the stakes are relatively low um also in that vein but completely unrelated to bakeries is the virgin river series um which the second season is on netflix right now sort of same story about the books um none of them are bakery things but i think it'll give you that like small town Mm -hmm. everybody knows each other vibe this is like a cheers vibe really like where everybody knows your name yeah it's (laughs) it's, so you what just to put a little articulation on it and tell me you know if i'm if i'm close here you want a community that's small but you don't want Mm -hmm. all the baggage that comes with like a small town like the 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 panopticon judgment homogeny you you know all that kind of like limited opportunity you want it to feel expansive you want it to be 45 minute ride to uh new haven connecticut where you can go to yale right like stars hollow like you're not out in the middle of nowhere but you're also not 
the somewhere-ness of it is the people, not the place, if that makes sense. Yes. And you want I some friction, right. right? You want a little we all, like, northern exposure. We all got to get along here. But ultimately, everyone's heart is in the right place, um, mm-hmm. even if it needs to be put back there from time to time. Yeah, I really like this idea. We also have a lot of requests for found family, which I think is super interesting as a phrase and as mm-hmm. an idea that's out there. It's not friends necessarily. It's something more than that. Um, I read a couple of these books. I don't know when that was. Um, my pick is A Little French Bistro by Nina George. And Nina George has a series of books that are all fairly similar, and they follow the general rubric of uh, diminutive European small business. So there's like the mm. the tiny there's the the small Paris bookshop. There's the little French bistro. Uh, there's the uh, microscopic Scandinavian yarn store. I'm just kidding. That's not a real one. But they're all in these <laughs> kind of same veins. But rather than being a small town, it's built around this business, right? So this is in you know they're in Paris or some other European city. But then you get the comings and goings of the people there. There's usually a love interest. Usually there's an older person who's like conveying some knowledge and wisdoms and passing the torch of some kind. And I'm not sure these are wonderful books, but sometimes you want Velveeta and Rotel, Rebecca Shinsky. You know what I'm talking about here. Sometimes yes. that's what you're looking for. It Maybe it's a formula. You dump the Rotel in, the Velveeta in the Crock-Pot. You know what? It freaking tastes good. And I'll fight anyone that says otherwise. And that's how I feel about these Nina George books. I mean, it sounds like this is kind of what you're looking for, Grace. I'll be curious to hear. It may. I think the difference is Gilmore Girls got a... Amy Sherman Palladino has... She's got a enough of an edge to cut the sweetness, right? Just a little sharpness to cut the sweetness. I'm afraid the Nina George books don't rise to, there's not a, it's a little too uh, savory. It's a little too, Mm. you know, it's like the Rotel dip without the Rotel. It's just the melted Velveeta, which sometimes (laughs) in a pinch is okay. But that would be my one concern. Check them out, try a few pages, see if it's your thing. And there's a few of them. So that's another nice thing. If you like this one or it it scratches that itch at all, it might be fine there. Um, okay. What do you, what do you, don't make fun. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not, I'm appreciating. I was just going to say, this is a podcast hosted by two people from the Midwest. From, from the Midwest. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. There was also, I did a little Googling on your behalf, listener, mm. and there um, is a book called Spice by Ceresia Glass that sounds great and should be right up your alley for mm. baking feels. And we also had a post on Book Riot called 100 Must Read Books with, for food in fiction. So okay. we can drop the link to that in the show notes and you will have literally 100 suggestions. Yep, that sounds good. Your read. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is my read. It's from Catherine. Thank you, Catherine, for giving us permission. Um, Catherine's looking for a book for her mom who reads about 12 or 20 books a year and prefers print. Um, she reads slowly and would appreciate something in the 300 to 400 page range. Mm. Uh, she's a fan of both the Hidden Brain and Throughline podcasts, which I immediately Googled and subscribed to. Um, and she'd love to buy her a book that evokes the vibe of those, i.e. it's nonfiction that explores how things work, especially human psychology, evolution, and history coming together to explain how something came to be. A book with similar vibes would be great. She read and enjoyed The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg a couple of years ago. Um, Yeah, I think we're in a solid, we are solidly positioned to answer this question. (laughs) Um, I don't know what I had my my number one pick in here, but um, it disappeared. So I'll start with my second one. Well, mm-hmm. I try to remember the the full author's name of the the second one, Rebecca. I think you've read it. The second one too. Anyway, uh, my first pick. It's a book based on a podcast that I like. <laughs> so here we go. Smart. Uh, 99 Cent Invisible City. I believe it's by Roman Mars, but it's from the people who make the 99 Percent Invisible podcast, which is. 
right up the alley. I, I'm not really sure how to describe it. I should have looked at the show notes on how they describe their own show, but that's it's the hidden power of design and how design yeah. is all around us and like like how things are put how together. things are put together not how things work necessarily but why why exactly are the street uh, like the the paint the the painting on the street like why is it like that <laughs> like what's the mm-hmm. why did we how do we get there or lamps or like really planned communities anything that's it's it's a built environment that cross over with culture and this book just came out i have not seen it but i pre-ordered it i gave it to my dad for his birthday um, which tells you something uh, if you've listened to the show for a while. I think it'd be a great gift book, right? Because it's kind of a coffee oh, table yeah. you can browse through and show, and did you know, and um, here's how boulevards in Paris works and things like that. So I think that's a great gift book. Um, from the more sort of just sitting down to read it and like have your mind expanded, um, uh, Homo Sap- or, yeah, Sapiens, pardon me, mm, by... Yeah. Um, Harari is the last name, and I can't remember the first name right now. I'll find Yuval it. Noah Harari. You, Yuval Noah Harari. I didn't want to screw it up too bad, so I just went with the bad. I decided to screw up the title rather than the name uh, by calling it. Called Sapiens. It is a, I guess it's anthropology, but it's sort of describing, sort of, why am I equivocating? It describes why human beings are the way they are as creatures that walk this earth. And it's accessible without being... Mm-hmm. Uh, superficial. It gives you enough to feel like you're getting a good bite at the apple without feeling you got to swallow the whole thing. Um, the subsequent books, Homo Deus and 21 Lessons for the 21st Century are also excellent. But the I think Sapiens is where you want to start. And if your mom likes that, then say, you know what, there's two more. They feel like they should be podcasts. I don't know why Harari doesn't. Maybe he's too busy doing the real work of writing books. Shouts um, to us <laughs> podcasters, I guess. Shade to us podcasters. Um, but I really liked it. I think has become one of the, you know, up in the upper echelon of commercial science writers with Siddhartha yeah. Mukherjee and mm-hmm. some other people out there. You know, our Mary Roaches of the world. Maybe even a little sciencier than that. Um, but anyway, those are my two picks: Ninety Nine Percent Invisible City and Sapiens um, by Yuval Noah Harari. Did I get it right? Yes. Okay, great. You got it right. Yeah, that's a great pick for that one. Um, for how things work, I think a one-two punch of How We Got to Now by mm. it, Michael Johnson. Stephen Johnson. Name? That's why we do Somebody this together, Johnson. Rebecca. That's why we do this thing together. <laughs> it's not David. It's something. Anyway, How We Got to Now by someone whose last name is Johnson. Stephen Johnson. And Stephen Johnson. Stephen Johnson. Yes. That's it. And The Alchemy of Us by Anissa Ramirez um, have some really nice overlap yeah. between them, but they're they're both about um, major inventions that shaped culture in unexpected ways. And they actually overlap in some of the inventions that they talk about. So one of them is like glass and like mm-hmm. glass and eyeglass. Like how did Cold. eyeglasses? The one on cold blew my mind mm-hmm. in that book. I yeah, yeah. There's a, great, there's a great chapter about trains yeah. in The Alchemy of Us that's like, you know, it's because of trains that we have the time zones that we have. Like Fantastic. before, right? Like before we had trains that could travel, travel across the country, there were like dozens of time zones and people just didn't really keep time in the same way, but you needed to be able to like know when your train was arriving and when your train was leaving. So they had to standardize time in the country, like all sorts of just Great surprising spin outs of stuff. I really, really loved it. And it's harder than it should be to find pop science it books really by women is. of color. It really so, is. The Alchemy of Us is a great one. Um, If your mom likes this brain stuff, 
I think the Undoing Project mm, by Michael Lewis. This is Lewis. a wonderful, terrifyingly, you. jealously invoking pick. <laughs> oh, I'm so satisfied. I'm editing it out, and I'm you taking know- it. I'm editing that out, and I'm going to pick The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis. <laughs> and here's why. Because The Undoing Project is about Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, mm. who wrote one of our mutual favorites, Thinking Fast and Slow. But Thinking Fast and Slow is a really dense, like, 700-page book. Yeah, it's giving your mom about- a college course, which is whatever. But like, yeah. yeah, it's basically about neurology and cognitive psych. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, you, you gotta be invested. But how they came to, like, the how they did the research that led them to the discoveries is really fascinating. And the undoing project documents that documents their friendship, like talks about some of the big groundbreaking studies that they conducted and gives you the nuggets. So like, I think you can, you can get like, 65% of what you need from Thinking Fast and Slow out of The Undoing Project. And the narrative is really, really great. Just like they're fascinating people. So I would go for that. And then maybe throw in an Oliver Sacks collection. Any Oliver Sacks collection will do just to listen to one of the Mm. world's preeminent, you know, now deceased, sadly. Have you seen the trailer for that documentary about him, Rebecca? Have you seen? Yes. Yes. I don't know if I can watch that. I, I mean, I don't, do I just want to yeah. cry for 90? I mean, it looks fantastic, <laughs> but I need some sort of like Demerol of the face or something <laughs> before I watch it. It's not, it's not something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I think mom would like yeah. Oliver Sacks. Man who mistook his wife for a hat or yes, awakenings, all that one. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just talking about the weird things that our brains can yeah. do and how fascinating it is. I think we did a good job on this question, Jeff O'Neill. I think this was, this, I mean, it's the podcast, right? I mean, in a lot of ways, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could go, we could keep going, but let's not. Uh, where are we? My read? Yes. Mm-hmm. Please help. Okay. Uh, every Christmas Eve, I give each family where you know, including me, because, hey, it's book getting time, a book to read before the fat man comes delivering gifts, although I have my suspicions which clause is doing the work every year. I've been doing this since our children were old enough to be read to. Um, my children now 19 and 15 and they are no trouble. Dad is trouble. I love the literary, just like by itself, (laughs) that sentence, dad is trouble. Not a natural reader, he says, but spends all day every evening reading technical specs and gross Twitter. (laughs) So much Twitter. Uh, whatever. I keep including my book giving tradition. He is always delighted by the idea of books I've given him, but he hasn't actually cracked them open. He collected comics as a youth as they said in my cousin Vinny, Electra Hulk, some others, I'm not sure. <laughs> Two years. So I gave him Usagi Yojimbo one year, a Samurai Rabbits, tough pick. Wow, he thought that was cool, nothing not opened. He reads short essays online, so I bought him the Best American Magazine Writing 2019. That's a great idea. He was delighted, mm-hmm. did not open it. We have many, many books. I'm thinking that maybe a graphic novel actually may be the best way to go because I have teenagers who actually open books and having something they end up reading and enjoying will be good. Last year they picked up Lumberjanes, like that. My husband is a really terrific human being. He would get along fine and find, find, and find him fantastic, I think, but he's allergic to books or something. I don't know. I love this whole thing. Um, can you write a book? Can it be set in Stars Hollow? I would read this. You can cast our other friend's um, uh, partner's mom. I think that we've got something. We've got a, we've got a good thing going here. Uh, but we're doing it again this Christmas Eve, so please help. I feel like either he did read or tried to read or get through Game of Thrones after seeing it on TV. <laughs> when he was younger, he read all kinds of Lord of the Rings. He played D&D, but he's really that into it. Although he has the right pedigree to be that kind of nerd. So the man can read, 
<laughs> he is always sort of excited by the books I give him, and the layer of dust on them is also impressive. He enjoys the NBA. <laughs> he does not sports anything else, really. I was thinking about that basketball graphic novel. She gives herself a recommendation in, in line here, which I think is great. She's thinking of Dragon Hoops by Jen Wen Lang. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can think of anything else, please let me know. Uh, some nice things about us. I think I'm going to end it there because we've given we've given a lot of space here, but I, we've all enjoyed this. You had no picks, Rebecca. Is that what I'm seeing here? You after I all that, hot, you you you, have, you pass the mic. You you pass the buzzer. I have a hot take. Are you ready for my hot take? Stop buying them books. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I think your husband is lovely, and he just might not be a book person, mm-hmm. and I think that's okay. Maybe an Audible or Libro FM subscription. It's a good idea. Like, yeah. Maybe he could bounce through some audiobooks and like listen while he's playing video games or doing some of his stuff around the house or whatever. But like maybe, maybe it's just not going to happen. Mm. Or maybe like a nice coffee table book that has gorgeous illustrations of some. That's of where I went. That, That's where I went. Did you see? That maybe you're looking interested ahead. In. Yeah. Um, but I. Just we, there's a question like this every year yeah. from like I just can't get a person in my life to read and a book pick just, so good it changes their being <laughs> tough ass I think that tough ass right that we uh, as book people want to believe yeah. that we could like solve that problem with a perfect book but I just don't think that everyone is meant to be a reader and I also think that's fine yeah. on the so other hand maybe <laughs> is it the worst thing in the world to try again. You know, if it's that or another tie, right? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I think if you're gonna try again, Jeff has really good ideas. Oh, th- for you. see, that's so- that's like what it's like some version of a humble brag where it sounds like a compliment, but really it's it's like saying, you know what, you you look great under buses. You really no, should spend more meant, time under buses. Think, you no, look no, so no. the I, yellow brings uh, out the blood that's on don't you. you. Don't you accuse me of that. I really do mean, like, I think if she's going to have a win, okay. your picks are good okay, shots fine, at the win fine, here. Fine, fine. So I went with a graphic novel that maybe the 15-year-old and 19-year-old will read it, even if it gets, you know, the the the, the other dogs <laughs> turn up their nose at it. Saga. <laughs> saga. By yes. Brian Fraction, illustrated by Fiona Staples. The great saga. You There's nine volumes now. Get the first one, the compendium. I think that's volumes one through four. Beautiful hardback. Sit there, great. Looks great with dust on it, right? If it doesn't get picked up. Sure does. Your teens who like Lumberjanes will like this. You might read it first for your 15-year-old. I don't know where your thing is about whatever you're worried about, but they're the kinds of things you might worry about. You know, you hear what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. And then your D&D husband might pick it up. Um, maybe it'll get turned to... Rebecca and I are of the same two minds about this. That's a great show title. <laughs> Right? <laughs> of, of the same, of the same two minds about Saga. You know where I'm going with this? Do we want it adapted? Yep. Right? Mm. I wouldn't say no, but would I press the green I'd button so to nervous. make it? be so nervous. So there is a chance that there will be that movie tie-in Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings things going on to it. That's my pick there. The other thing is, like, if, you're, if, you're, if your dad likes to flip through stuff, lean into the flipping throughness of it. And there's different kind of book experience for different people. I already mentioned 99 Cents Invisible City. Might be a good pick. Atlas Obscura, good for the whole family. Ooh, 
Yes. It's a co- that's Atlas a good Obscura Chouso website recommendation we haven't done in a while. I really like Atlas Obscura. They started about on the same time we did. It's travel, but also isn't the world cool? Look at these weird, cool, interesting places. They have a great Instagram account. They have two volumes of the book. There's even one for kids, which is also really interesting. It might be under my tree this year for certain people I live with. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a good and you can just choice. you can flip through it and see this weird thing that's in Colombia, and then look at this thing in Iowa, and here's the Great Bridge of whatever, and there's a little history, and the pictures are great, makes a great gift. You at least get that thing that does like ninety percent of the gift book thing, which is they open on Christmas Day and like, oh look at this, everyone gets to say, oh isn't that interesting? Let's have our coffee cake. I might flip through it for fifteen minutes. If it does nothing else, it's really good for that piece, which feels like you have some attachment to, and I hear you, and I see you, and that's fine. But also let yourself the hook off as Rebecca said you know if you want if you want to do this great don't feel obligated to it books aren't magic we like them whatever but let's go live our lives and have fun with each other as best we can okay um let's do our last sponsor break did we do a good job for that last one I'm worried now in the 10 seconds it's been since we stopped I started worrying (laughs) I think we did as good of a job as can be done for someone who seems pretty uninterested in reading yeah right that's right That's right. Okay, your read. All right. Uh, This is someone who realized that they had a hole in their reading life. They started reading a bit of nonfiction years ago, and it needs to read more like a novel than a textbook for for them to enjoy Mm. it. So I'm with you. You need good narrative there. They'd love to learn about people from other countries and thought nonfiction would be the way to go about this. So they're interested in memoirs or good nonfiction where the main subject is from another country. Interested, um, they're the most interested in Asia, bonus points for South Korea specifically. And then they listed a few books that they've enjoyed, Home by Julie Andrews, The Feather Thief, Radium Girls, mm. Hidden Figures, mm. American Spirit by David McCullough, and Elephant Whisperer by Lawrence Anthony. So yeah, and those are all great narrative great. nonfiction and memoirs of a different sort. So that was really helpful in getting a feel for your flavor while you're trying to branch out. What do you I, I've got a meta point here that I, mm. I like this idea of recognizing a hole in your reading life. That's, that's something we can run with that. Yes. But this particular genre, narrative nonfiction, that's sort of memoir, but also, also nonfiction. It's not just like my life as a celebrity, but it's like mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of learning about something through someone else's eyes as they learn about it or in retrospect. It's one of the great pleasurable reading experiences you can have and these books sell and i think we've done ourselves a great disservice in how we teach books in college and high school we don't read these we get novels or we get textbooks or we get poetry shouts to all of them i'm a big fan of novels you've heard me poetry let's talk about tomatoes for an hour i'm good but there's a lot of people (laughs) that would like uh, these books but you don't experiment until when when do you pick this up for when are you going to pick up uh the feather thief when you're 19 what why yeah. When are we going to pick up Radium Girls? And in my pick, From Scratch by Tembi Locke. When are you going to pick? You don't ever get a sign that you got to find it for yourself. Tembi Locke, I've recommended this before. She moves to Italy for school, falls in love with someone. It doesn't turn out great. Not going to spoil it too much. I think we've talked about it in a variety of contexts. But you get Italy. You get culture. Um, she's a black woman from Texas. You get some cross-cultural stuff going on. On audio, again, it's a face demerol book, Five Alarm Snot Bomb. I don't know what to tell oh. you. That's a thing that goes into it. But it's really good. And one of my favorite recommendations, because it ticks a lot of boxes in a way we can't usually tick them or don't usually tick them along this. My other pick is A Beginner's Guide to Japan by Pico Iyer. Pico Iyer is from mm-hmm. London. His parents are from India. But he and his wife moved to Japan for a long time for work. And it's him, who's a wonderful, beautiful, elegaic writer, 
writing about what it's like to be in Japan. So there's like three cultures. There's like his parents are from India. He lives in London. I'm in America reading about him being in Japan. So there's this awesome cultural vertigo thing that's going on as you read Pico Iyer's books. He does a lot of this kind of travel writing. And this, I think, was his first sort of, again, no one knows. Well, maybe you've, maybe people out there have heard of him. If, if anyone has, people listening to the show have. But like, he has a little bit of a following, and I'm one of those people. And this is the first one that kind of put him on this weird idiosyncratic mm. um, map. So that's been Beginner's Guide to Japan by Pico Iyer. Um, his most recent one is called Something About Light, also about Japan, I think. If I remember right, it's getting blended with the others. But start there. I think they're really great. Oh, man. I've got to get myself to Pico Iyer. I, I think I've said it a few times, his name, in various contexts here, probably. Yeah, I think you have. Um, right. One that I didn't immediately put on the list, but listening to you talk about that one reminded me. I think uh, Alibis by Andre Achimad oh, might be a good yeah. fit here. He spent most of his life in Egypt, um, and Alibis is about travel, kind of, about being in different places, living in different places, traveling to different places around the world, and sort of how place informs the way that we understand ourselves. So it's not like, here is a story about living in this one place or my identity in this one place, mm -hmm. but it, it's sort of a meta exploration of place and identity. And I have always really loved that collection. Um, I picked Born a Crime by Trevor mm. Noah, which like, if you're looking for a good story, it's really hard to do better than a memoir by a really smart comedian yeah. who grew up in South Africa during apartheid or was born in South Africa during apartheid. And that's what the title refers to. And of course, now Trevor Noah, you know, lives in the US and hosts a big night show. Um, but there's wonderful cultural stuff and g great family stories. It's wonderful on audio. You will laugh out loud. Um, and of course, listening to him read the read the book is really wonderful. So I landed there. Uh, and then this next author is American, but she's she explores um, several religions from Asian cultures and really from all over the world. But the book is called Stalking God mm. by Anjali Kumar. Um, she was like having a, a crisis of faith as she was um, preparing to welcome her first child. And really the crisis was not having a faith. Mm. Like, how do I find, she wanted something like, how do I find faith or religion or something and make it make sense to myself? And then how am I going to um, transmit these ideas to my child? Like, is there a religion that will make sense to me? Um, she was a lawyer at Google at the time and like very pragmatic. So she was like, let me collect data from all over the world. So she like visits a ton of places. Um, like she goes to the mountains in Peru and talks to shaman and then she goes to Burning Man and looks at that and she practices transcendental meditation and sort of goes all over the world and all over the sort of spiritual map in a way that I found to be really interesting asking sort of these big questions about like what is the function of faith and religion or of having a belief system how do people settle on them and like why do I want one and how would I find it? And the places in the world that it takes her um, are really wonderful. Um, I think that was just a, like an under the radar yeah. memoir from a few years ago that I try to recommend anytime I can because it was great and I haven't heard anybody else talk about it. I think the last few uh, are mostly me. You want to do the readings? You read sure. the questions and I'll, uh, you, you shall uh, hit the ball over and I'll return. 
Yes. Uh, so this is a person who recently started volunteering with Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Um, that's awesome. Good job. And their little told them about her interest in Regency history because they were learning about Anne Boleyn in school. And the question is like, is that normal? She's 11. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so they had a huge conversation about it. And she's looking for books that are um, for middle grade readers um, that would work for this. She said, I read Philippa Gregory's novels and I love anything Regency as well. It would be great if there were audiobooks for them. Like, is there a middle school version of Anne Boleyn reading? And if not, I'd take anything about a female ruler as well. Um, I'm just obsessed with female rulers and would love to be able to talk about this with my little. I did some Googling and I just came up like completely bubbly. I got your back. So, I hit this one good. square on the nail. There's a series, this middle grade series called The Royal Diaries. 20 books oh. published by Scholastic Press. It was like a six year period in the late in the late 90s to early 2000s. Um, and each of them reads the fictional diary of a real female figure of royalty, but it's from all over the world. So it's from Africa, cool. from Asia, India, all kinds of places where it's not just uh, white women getting their heads cut off by dudes, which is, you know, unfortunately a bigger part of history than it should have been. Um, mm -hmm. So you can read them all. I don't know if they're on audio now. Um, it's the kind of thing where it, it was just too late, no, sorry, too early for it really to be picked up. And I'm not sure they were popular enough to be picked up by other people. So your mileage may vary. You can pick them up. They're out of print, I think. So you can pick them up used. I looked. They're not too expensive um, to find. Uh, I think they're... So the the one I started with is, um, that my son read was a Cleopatra, the Cleopatra one. Every kid has a dinosaur phase and a stealthy Egypt phase a lot of kids have. I yes. know I did when you're reading the Egypt game or something like that as well. But you're also like, whoa, mummies are dead and they've been dead for 5,000 years and they pull out their brains through their nose and whoa. Um, <laughs> and so we did that and we tried to... We try to, as we can, um, you know, do women and people of color that are around the major historical events that have become too much of how we teach Western literature and history. And so Cleopatra is one where it's, it's easy and accessible, and I found it that way. We haven't done any of the others, and maybe we should, but it's called the Royal Diary Series. There's a whole bunch of different writers, so there's not one particular writer. Um, if you Google it, also I'll put a link in the show notes, I guess, to the Goodreads page. Um, yeah, anyway, that's my pick for that. Go okay. check it out. That's a good one. Uh, what else are we doing? All right. What else are we doing? Next one. This person's husband devours books, but is super hard to find one he might be interested in mm. because he's picky and he reads fast. Uh, so hoping that we can help them find something for Christmas. His passions are maps with complicated fictional worlds like Game of Thrones, series with many books, horror, space, science fiction. He really enjoyed the Game of Thrones series, the Expanse series by James S.A. Corey, and everything Stephen King. Yeah. Um, interesting. I don't, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what my number one pick here is. Like, I've got a group of, of possibilities and maybe you want to flip through and think of them on your own. I think one is get thee to Octavia Butler. Go see which Octavia Butler might make sense. Some of them are series and some of them are standalones. Big mm -hmm. series. N.K. Jemison has a couple of already completed big series. I think I would start here. The more complicated, the better, it sounds like for this person. So the Brooklyn Earth trilogy, I think has the most detailed and specific world building. Um, that's really good. Uh, I didn't think of it at the time, but now that I'm talking, I wonder if he's experienced any of the Discworld situation by Terry um, Pratchett, which you can read Ooh, out of order. That's a good pick. But it is big, it's complicated, you can nerd out about it in all the best kinds of ways. 
one that's a little more hard sci-fi, but still sci-fi. Well, that's not hard sci-fi exactly. But the Sleeping Giant series by Sylvan Nouvelle, which is completed. So O'Neill's Razor is all taken care of, all all buttoned up there. Um, basically, the story there is it's set in a near future Earth, uh, on a near future Earth. And we find a couple of giant robots that apparently have been there for a long time. And then they kind of start waking up. Um, and as you might turn out, it's all not, it's not all baking at Stars Hollow. Let's put it that way about what happens <laughs> after the fact. Um, yeah, so any of those I would think. The other thing nice thing about N.K. Jemison's Broken Earth trilogy is that she's got another one, the Inheritance trilogy. So you can run, you can run them back to back. And there's a nice big, you know, you can, there's, there's nice big omnibus volumes of the, both of them, I believe. I know of the Inheritance trilogy. I haven't seen the Broken Earth yeah. one. But you can really settle in, get some maps out, you know, um, get your pocket protector in, you know, start fighting about casting when these things get turned into movies. You know, do all the stuff we like to do with these fictional worlds yeah. we invest ourselves in. Those are solid. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I was like, what would I even yeah. pick for these? Maybe the Magician series, if he hasn't yeah. read that. It's not like as hard sci-fi, but there are lots Bacon, of maps. Becky Chambers' Wayfarers ex- uh, series. Yeah, that's... Uh, the first that one would is be uh, a long way from... A good one. And one. there are like layers upon layers to the world of the Starless Sea by Aaron Oh, yeah. So that... And there's a mystery pick. there. That might be an interesting mm-hmm. one. Not totally on brand, but maybe adjacent possible yeah, for, I like that. for the husband. All right, here is our last one. We're going back to baking. Back, so let's boy, have... it's ba- we all want to be... Sin- this is the, the sourdough baking <laughs> phase of reading. Like, literally, that's what we're in right now. Like, I, I just skipped this and went straight to, like, all I'm doing this year is making actual pies. Uh, <laughs> what about bread, but dessert in it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we're doing. Yes. That's Team Shinsky 2020 is what's the pie of the week. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this person, every year, um, their family, she gets everybody in the family a book for Christmas, and she's stumped on what to get from for her sister, because sister rarely strays from her favorite niche of books, which is literally anything set in a bakery. At library book sales, I just pick up any book with baked goods on the cover, and she usually loves it. I love that. Yeah. Like This is... This is a great method. Um, Some of her favorites were With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which is an all-time favorite of both of theirs. And and like everyone, that's just a charming It is. It's like World War II Stars Hollow with um, rationed desserts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so charming and wonderful. And The Little Beach Street Bakery by Jenny Colgan. Um, She is really stretching herself reading a Dan Brown right now. Man, I love this. This is amazing. (laughs) and we'll maybe get into it uh this our listener says i want to stretch her but i also think her niche is adorable so i'd like to find her her next favorite and it looks like you found a couple for those of you looking the jenny colgan whatever brand that is is all in this cal her name should be jenny calgon really because it's like all very (laughs) like (laughs) the little beach street bakery tells you everything you need to know um Mm -hmm. anyway so that's its own genre there's one I read because someone said it was like little uh, literary Guernsey literary and potato peel pie society. What book has done as well? Do you think the book has done well because or despite of the name? I, I go both ways. Sometimes. I think despite. despite. I was a bookseller when it came out, and people would come in like, "I need the potato pie, whatever." Tough beat, yeah, but, tough yeah. beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> there's. It's also a World War II book. There's some resistance crap in it. It's also about baking. It's called The Baker's Secret by Stephen Kiernan. I don't think it's as I don't think it's as charming, a little more like, I feel a little more cloak and daggery, but it sounds like it's mm. right up your, whatever, is this your sister? Who is this? Yeah, sister. She's going to like it. The other one is one I really liked. 
It's a maybe a little Daddington corner for you. I, I don't know. But if she likes all the bread stuff, <laughs> this is William Alexander's book called 52 Loaves, where he spends a year trying to bake and recreate this perfect boule that he had at this restaurant. And it's a little bit of a how-to. It's like a cultural history of bread, which is like maybe the dorkiest, boringest thing ever to say. It's not even pie. Shinsky singing, it's not even pie. Um, but it's his. He tries to build an oven. He goes to he goes to visit these monks in France to try to figure out their Ooh. baking secrets. So it's got a little travel, a little world history, a little existential crisis, like just like a quarter teaspoon of the yeast of existential crisis to make the whole thing rise up a little bit. Wow, look at what I just did right there. <laughs> Check it out. I think it's I think it's a fun book. Um, he also did another really fun book called The $64 Tomato, which I probably talked about on the show before, oh. where he goes about being like a hardcore gardener just so he can have fresh, mm-hmm. beautiful tomatoes in the backyard yes. and calculates that for every tomato he got out of his yard this year, he could have just paid $64 per, <laughs> toma- per tomato to everybody else. So there's a projecty like I, getting into the weeds yeah. of it that I really like of uh, – I'm wondering now, and this is, I guess I'm making a request that our listeners yeah. can email me. Is there a baking version of like a Ruth Reichel book? Like, I remember having sort of a transformative reading moment with Tender at the Bone and the uh. way that she did food writing. And I just want, and that's just like, you know, standing in the kitchen, stirring a pot for hours. Like, is there a baking version? Because Lisa Donovan's Our Lady of Perpetual Hunger that yeah. came out earlier this year is large, is about like she's a baker and there's some baking stuff in it but there's not like it's mostly just about her life and she happens to be a baker Mm. it's not like here is the spiritual practice of putting your fingers in dough every day or whatever yeah it's funny because you and i like the chang bourdain uh gabriel hamilton sort of chef manic chef memoir where bakers like look i just described bill alexander going to visit monks like that's a different vibe (laughs) Right? right? But like, I would I read think, about it. I, I think, would read that vibe. Yeah. And I've loved, I was just thinking, like, I love to read cookbooks. So mm. I have loved the writing in a couple of the pie cookbooks that oh, I had. Yeah. Like, if those right. people would write memoirs, I would read the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a Christina Tosi memoir, like, bringing back all your childhood favorites, but in an upscale way. Anyway, if you know of something like that, podcast at bookriot.com. Because I would love a Ruth Reichel for baking. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, especially, I said I was going to try the Mary Berry memoir, and I haven't gotten around to it yet. Baking is oh, having such yeah. a moment that it's too bad there isn't the um, Save Me the Plums or the uh, right. you know, a Julia Child book that people go, maybe there is, and we just don't know about it, and it's happening somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, because like, right, Reichel gets in the kitchen and has this like connection yeah. to her family from you know watching them like make these complicated dishes or standing stirring the Sunday night soup or you know whatever it is and I'm like I am personally feeling a similar thing when I'm in there making pie dough and it's like you know my best friend loves this certain flavor so I'm gonna put this in this pie and like here is my expression of love for you right now in this weird time is this pie that I made you and. I want the I want that in a memoir. We get it with like food food, but where's the baking one? Yeah, that's interesting. I would read that too, especially if it's on audio. Podcast at bookwright.com. Yes. Thank you all for your recommendation requests. As always, we have more fun than seems possible doing these. And yet here we are, six years later, still cranking them out. Um, hope to we'll, we'll see you again for this particular format in uh, May when it's um, moms, dads, and grads. Um, May. Think of May. Close your Mm. eyes and think of May.
We'll have had a couple of shots in our arm, I hope. Maybe a lot of us. I hope. We'll be outside, maybe not wanting to stay inside and read books. We'll be giving each other, oh, the places you'll go again. Um, <laughs> it'll be that time of year. We'll be going places again, Jeff. Maybe I'll buy one just because. <laughs> I think when this is over, I might just like take a year off of books because I'll be too busy doing all the other things. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to go shop. Everyone have a happy holiday season. You'll hear from us before. We're going to be on our regular schedule. We're taking off. What day are we taking off? Do we have weekly we shows are, coming through? I think we do. We have a weekly show. Do we? we have, hmm. No, we will not have a show on the. When are we taking off? I, we don't have a show on the twenty eighth. I think. Um, I'm not sure. I think we might have to record one because of whatever. We'll see. But we're going back to our weekly schedule. <laughs> Off no more than once, it sounds like. Good thing we <laughs> yeah, do this we'll for a living. Here. We'll figure it out. Um, Let us know if you pick books from this list and how they go over, please. Yeah, especially uh, especially if you're trying to buy them for uh, ex-therapists. Talk to you next time. <laughs>